think today. Let's start with prayer. Heavenly and merciful Father, we do thank you. Lord, every message from you is a good message. Every heart that receives your message is uplifted, strengthened, and sometimes challenged. So Lord, even your servants need to humble their hearts before giving a word. So Lord, help us to humble ourselves, to hear your word. Give us those ears to hear, hearts to receive, and eyes to see more of your glory, my God and King. So be glorified in all that we do today, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So today's message is called, Here I Am. And my key verse today to focus on is Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. So when someone calls to you, how do you respond? It's a general question to you, church. How do you respond? Yo. Yo. <laughs> Funny enough, that's on my list. Yeah? What? 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 Yeah? Anyone else? You can just shout out. Funny enough, that's on my list. This, this, this is scary now. All right. I'm going to give you my list. Just a summary list. You might respond, yes, dear, if you're married. That's got me out of trouble a lot of times. Or you might just say hello. Yeah? Someone calls your name, you say hello. Yeah, simple. Yes, how can I help? Yeah, if you want to be helpful. Yo is on my list. Thank you, brother. I've also got all right, because we're in Harlem. <laughs> and my last one was Wagwan, which was always for the West Indian contingent in the church. Here I am is often seen in the Bible as an individual's response to God calling to them. So we're going to explore how God calls to his people. So what do we understand as a calling? Some definitions that I've picked up from the Oxford Dictionary are the action or sound of calling, and a strong urge towards a particular way of life or career or vocation. While Merriam-Webster says, a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. That one's a bit of a mouthful. We'll expand on that one. The vocational profession in which one customarily engages in, and the characteristic cry of a female cat in heat. <laughs> Meow. These are definitions. Look it up. I'm not making it up. Strong defines the word call as to invite or to summon, especially use of God's call to participants in the blessings of the kingdom. In the Bible, the word call or calling can denote election, ownership, destiny, and appointment. And the New Testament uses this term often to reflect God's gathering of his people according to his will and power to faith in Jesus Christ's son to participate in the works of the kingdom. So how has God called to his people in the past? If you know me and how I preach, I always go back to the Old Testament and then I look at it in the New. Exodus 3, verses 1 to 4. And this is where God calls to Moses. One day... Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. 
he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Sinai is going to be a significant mountain in the progress of the Israelites. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. So that's one of the most famous calls that God gives us. A very extraordinary one, but maybe it needed to be extraordinary to get Moses' attention. When we heed the call of God, he will take you into an adventure you were never able to predict or understand sometimes. But know this, he always has a good plan for everyone involved when we trust him. Another famous one, looking at Samuel's call from God. 1 Samuel 3 verses 1 to 10. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. The reason for this was the current priests who were in charge were very ungodly at that time. They were Eli's sons, unfortunately. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp had gone. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Oops, sorry, I've gone back too far. Go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called, as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Now, I don't know about you, but Samuel is very patient. I know if someone called me out of my bed three times, I might not be as gracious as Samuel's being. But each time he goes back and he says humbly to Eli, here I am. Moses' calling was very powerful and he had no doubts it was God speaking to him. But as we can see, Samuel's is more subtle. He is called as a young boy, maybe 11, but... He's cultivated a very strong relationship with God by then. Look at what the scriptures say. We see him sleeping near the ark. And that's our first clue to his relationship with God. Anyone that reads the Old Testament and knows even if you touch the ark, you can drop dead. Yet he's sleeping yards away from it. And he's sleeping like a baby. Not many can be close to his presence and not feel fear, awe or reverence. But Samuel was comfortable in his presence. Sometimes we do need someone to guide us to God's calling, hence us to himself. 
Samuel didn't recognize God's voice at first. He thought it was Eli, the priest, calling him. But once Eli understands it was God calling, he directs him on how to respond to God. Again, look at Eli's response. Eli's the priest. You would think he'd be thinking, but God's supposed to be talking to me. Why isn't God talking to me? He doesn't do that. He humbles himself, he knows it's God, and he directs the person that God wants to speak to, to respond. Once Samuel recognises the voice of God, he ensures he's going to listen to it, and only his voice, and follow his leading. And like Samuel, we do need to learn to discern the voice of God, and follow it diligently from that point onwards. In these calling moments, God is communicating his plan for our lives, and the possible future if we follow him. Again, church, let me warn you. If God gives you a prophecy, or he gives you something of a word of what your life can be like, you do know you have to do certain things for it to be fulfilled. Don't assume because it's been said it's going to happen. Or, I'll give you another example, which will come on later. I'll stop there. We must ensure we are humble in heart and mind and listen carefully to what God says to us and for others. Also remember, if God speaks to you, it's not always about you. Remember God spoke and Elo showed Samuel. So sometimes the word's not always about you. Sometimes God wants you to share that word with someone else. More importantly, we see God is opening up his line of communication with us. And it's our responsibility from that point onwards to maintain and improve our forms and levels of fellowship with him going forward. A quote from Frederick Buchner. Buchner, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The place God calls you to is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Moses had a hunger to see his people delivered from oppression. And as we can see, Samuel had a heart to serve. God's plans are always fulfilled, but we influence the outcome of how they are fulfilled. So I'm going to give you a practical example and hope that I don't hurt myself doing it. You see this chair. God tells me I need to move this chair from here to here. Now, I know it's just a chair. It could be something bigger. But if I'm following God, what I'm going to do, I'm going to say, God, how can I move this chair? It may be simple, but I'll say, God, how do I move the chair? And he'll say, bend your knees, make sure you're distributing the weight, move it from A to B. Don't make any assumptions. Yeah? So I do that, and I do that. God's will is fulfilled. Yeah? He's told me to move the chair from here to here. Or, I can see the chair and think, that's not heavy. I can do this with one hand. Okay. I've moved it, haven't I? I might dumb my back in. I might not be able to lose, move another chair. God's will is still done, but I've made the first one was good. The second one was a mess, but God's will is still be done. You've got to be careful, church. When you're called to do something, make sure you ask the one who's telling you to do it before you do it. For some in our calling moment, we don't feel ready for or up to what God is calling us into, regardless of our past experience or faith. So here's some tips to prepare you for these moments. Always be ready to serve. Stay connected to God. 
and accept challenges and opportunities when God provides them. That's the hardest one. Because sometimes what, you, what God presents as an opportunity, you don't see as an opportunity. And stay faithful to God in spite of your troubles, fears, and doubts. Isaiah's calling moment, seen in Isaiah 6 verse 8, was in the throne room of God. God did not call him directly by name, as we had seen before with Moses and Samuel. But God did ask for volunteers, and Isaiah boldly steps up and requests he be sent. Just a moment before, he had felt unworthy to be in the presence of God, and now he's volunteering to speak for God. God will use us as we are, not perfect, not the finished article, but willing and eager to serve the Lord the best that we can with what God has blessed us with. Now believe me, church, the calling that you see today is not the calling that was here 10 years ago. Yeah? He's blessed me with lots of stuff. I'm not talking about money. He's blessed me with a wife, and that's 25 years ago. He's blessed me with a child. And again, these are all worldly things. These are things that we all, our hearts all younger, hunger for. But it's the challenges God has blessed me with that have brought me to where I am today. And I know it will be the challenges in the future that will bring me to where God needs me to be tomorrow. So don't be afraid. It's not, well, it is a hard journey, but it's worth, it's worth it. Number three, how do you determine God's calling? So I've observed two scenarios for our here I am moments with God. It's the beginning of our walk with God and getting to know him better. A bit like Samuel's. Or we're already walking and know God, but we begin a very significant season with him. For me, that's Joshua, called to lead the Israelites into the promised land. A lot of weight was on that man's shoulders. Acts 9 verses 10 to 16. Let's look at the New Testament. And this is God's call to Ananias. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But the Lord, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God's call may not be as exciting or life-changing as, say, Moses or Samuel, but it may open the door for someone else in the kingdom to have a great impact for believers. Ananias was called by God to pray and witness to Saul. Again, if we know our Bibles, at this time Saul was greatly persecuting the church. He was one that held the coats while Stephen was being stoned. But on this way, On his way to Damascus, Saul encountered Jesus and was blinded by the encounter. And later Saul told in a vision that a man could come and would come to pray for him. God calls Ananias 
And Anas straight away responds, not knowing the task he has to do. But once he's filled in, Ananias is reluctant to approach Saul and even questions God at Saul's reputation of persecution is widely known to all believers. The Lord graciously does not rebuke Ananias for his fear, but he does share the plan he has for Saul's life. Ananias in this God moment through faith and courage steps forward and obeys what God commanded him to do. Now I know God's plan is eternal and it will always happen. But just for sake of argument, what would have happened if he did not go and pray for Paul? Would Paul have been blind for a lot longer? Would God have had to call someone else? Would the world and countless believers have missed out on the spirit-filled teachings and writings that the Apostle Paul would write for his church? Two men were called by God in very different ways but both needed to trust God and obey his will to see the fruit of God's purposes come to pass. No matter who you are, your calling moment can have a great impact for the kingdom. If you have faith and trust in God. And Ananias and Saul never imagined they would start one of God's greatest evangelistic and apostolic movements the world would ever see. Don't be discouraged if you're not called to be a worldwide evangelist or a preacher. Your faith and response to God's call on you at the right time may just release the next Reinhard Bonnke. Church. It could do. If anyone uh, knows about the testimony for um, Billy Graham, Billy Graham, the, one of the greatest evangelists in our time, it was a guy, uh, I think it was just a down-to-earth trucker, a rough, rough-looking guy. But he saw something in Billy Graham and he persisted, and he kept encouraging him. And Billy Graham received the Lord and became the 20th century's best evangelist. Just a humble man doing what God called him to do. You, church, you could be that next person that releases the next 21st century evangelist in faith. I've had a few here-I-am moments as well. I may have said this before, but... When I started in this church, I volunteered to put chairs out, which moved on to PA, which moved on to that monstrosity that we have at the back now. <laughs> and when Pastor Rob asked for volunteers to lead a men's group, I, didn't, I wasn't the first to put my hand up. My brother Joe was. He said, yeah, I'm up for it, Pastor Rob. I sat back. But Rob said, he needs another person. And I stepped forward. So reluctantly, God has been continually pushing me, pulling me into opportunities. But church, those God moments, you'll never regret stepping into them. God is still continuing to provide me with opportunities to serve him. And I'm sure if you open up your heart, he'll show you as well. You make yourself available to God, he will always ensure he's available to you. Again, another testimony. David Campbell was here for Pastor Arnold's induction. Came here, I can't remember, it was a, a weekday. And we were praying, I think it started at half seven, and this guy prayed to about half ten, eleven at night. And I was one of the last to be prayed for. But he gave a prophecy over me. He said, oh, Colin, you've got to come off the bench. I don't know if you guys realise what come off the bench means. In football terms, or American football terms, if you're on the bench, it means the coach isn't going to pull you up yet. Or... 
you've done something it's so bad he wants you to sit there until you sort yourself out but he gave me this prophecy come off the bench and I'm thinking what is this man on about and then some of the, the other guys who were around listening to prophecy Colin said yeah that's you Colin that's you Colin and didn't the Lord open up so many other doors into leadership, eldership, straight afterwards? But I had to step into it. I had to acknowledge where I was with God before I could move forward with him. We need to recognize the voice and calling of our good shepherd. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And we need to know the call of our God. Good sheep stay close to their shepherd. It's the wayward ones who get into a lot of trouble and get stuck in places no sheep should be found. On my many visits to Wales and even the lakes, I just don't understand how those sheep get up those hills. I just don't understand. And what shepherd can even follow them to get up the hills? But anyway, Psalm 85 verse 8. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people, but let them not return to their foolish ways. When Jesus sends us out on his mission to do the task he has for us to do, he sends us as sheep into the midst of wolves, not wolves into the midst of sheep. Why? Because if the world sees us as wolves, it can't see the difference only Jesus can make. If we're like the world, how are we any different to the world? When we stay looking like his sheep, the world will see the difference Jesus has made in our lives and will make in their lives when they also follow the Good Shepherd. Three considerations to identify your calling. Look at the needs of the community you live in, and that includes your family, your work, your social context, and your church. Look at the skills and abilities God has blessed you with. But then the most important one, look at your truest, deepest desires. Remember I talked about Moses, what his desire was? To see his people freed. That's what's going to be what God's going to stir in you. But ask him to reveal it to you. And here's an anagram to help you focus. An anagram that spells look. Start with L, listen. Speak with God. Start that communication with him. And you initiate the conversation. Don't wait for him to call you. You call him. How are you, God? What do we need to do? And then O, observe. You do need to learn his ways and teachings. That's through the Bible, through prayer, through other people. And then obey. Follow what you've learned. It's all about application, church. No point reading it and not applying it. And then kneel. Always be humble. Always go to the Lord. Like I said, moving that simple chair, I ask the Lord. And if you ask him, he will answer. How does God's calling affect us? These moments help us to stay rooted in God, strengthening our faith. They require us to step out and to live the life God is calling us into. He always wants the best for us and has a great purpose for our lives. Even when we mess up, and we will, God already has a plan and the grace if we are humble and willing to learn from our mistakes. Even those who hesitated in those moments God showed patience and encouraged them to trust him. He still does the same today. Our call from God is a whole life calling, not just what we do as an occupation, but what we do with our lives and those involved in it. We agree to move in a very different direction we ever imagined we could.
Remember, God's calling for you is not limited to an ordained role, but also covers many vocations and roles. As I've said, I've just completed studies to ministry. But God's been using me all through my years since being a believer in my workplace. I, umpteen times, I don't understand what I do is God. But he leads me to Christian organisations. As in, I'm working for, say, the local government. And there's a Christian union. And somehow, they get to home of my name and I get involved and I get responsibilities in there. I move to a completely different organisation and lo and behold, they find me and I'm still leading in another organisation. Even in the current one I work with, I'm good friends with the chaplain. And he keeps sending me Christians and I have to keep encouraging people in my workplace. It's not my job in the workplace, but it's my job God has called me to do in the workplace. Amen? Amen. The Bible scholar Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant theologian, taught that any work may be seen as a calling from God. So yes, when we're filling that dishwasher, it's your call from God. Paul hints to this in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 17. I believe God directs all of us, not just to a vocation that suits us, but also to one that helps contribute and build up his kingdom. Remember, whatever we do, we should do it for the glory of God and nothing else. A quote from John Eckhart. This new thing that God wants to do is not only about you, it's about him. It's not about you being big, it's about his purposes. God is not doing it just for you, he's doing it for himself. God does not call us to fame, riches or glory. He calls us to service for his kingdom purposes and his good pleasure to glorify him. And Jesus wants to make sure you follow him for the right reasons and know truly you are in relationship with him. In these commitment moments we can receive fresh enlightenment and revelation of the God we serve. In Jesus' time his calling was sometimes two simple words. Do we know what those words were? follow me. I believe this is still relevant even today. It's a call to serve God and align ourselves with his purposes. God chooses to work through people who are willing to act for him. When we respond to his call, it's a mutual commitment and partnership with God and ourselves to accomplish his eternal plan here on earth. It's a submission not by force but by choice. And we decide daily to follow God's ways. And walking with God sometimes requires difficult decisions and choices. But we do need endurance and faith to accomplish his calling. We put God at the centre of our lives and we agree to be used as a vessel and a witness to our almighty and glorious God. We are to direct, we are to direct and point to the one who calls us to love and serve him wholeheartedly. Isaiah 65 verse 1. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. That psalm points to Jesus. And that's him talking to the nation that did not call him. That's Gentiles. That's us, church. We're the Gentiles. God's calling Here I am, here I am. Are we responding? 
Even God himself reassures us when we call on him, he will respond, here I am. He's there for all of us. He was always there. But now we know in our heart, he is there and always will be there for us. A call to follow Jesus provides us with identity, adoption to the family of God, new life through the Holy Trinity, salvation, a restored relationship with God through him, the Holy Spirit, He's the empowerment to live right before God. The purpose, which is the ultimate purpose and fulfillment your life will ever have, and calling to become part of God's great commission. If you feel God is calling to you, please don't ignore it. Try not to hesitate in responding to him. Put your trust in him and he won't let you down. If you are willing, God's power and grace are available for you to do what he's calling you to do, even if you don't fully know what he has for you to do yet. Is God calling to you today? Or has he been calling to you and you haven't recognised his voice or even ignored his callings? I encourage you now, if he is calling to you, respond to him. Here I am, Lord. That's it, message. We're going to pray. I believe God wants me to ask if there's anyone in the church who wants to come to the front and pray uh, to the Lord, here I am. You may not know what God wants you to do. I didn't know what God wanted me to do when he called me. But now I'm walking in it, I understand. And sometimes, church, you won't understand till you step out. But if you believe God is challenging your heart, we're going to give this opportunity to ask people to come to the front and we'll pray for you. And we'll pray that the Holy Spirit open you up. So we're going to pray first. And then we'll see how the Spirit leads. Gracious and heavenly, merciful Father, I give glory to God that you called to me. I give glory to God that you called to all these people. You've called them by name, as you did with Moses, as you did with Samuel. And even though you didn't call by name, but you asked for volunteers, Lord, we thank you that you gave them the opportunity to step forward. Lord, here I am, are three straightforward words, but they can have powerful consequences not only for ourselves, but for the people around us. So Lord, help us. I pray your Holy Spirit is speaking to those hearts that you may need to stir, that you would call to them now, by name, that they know it's you talking to them. And Lord, may they step into what you're calling them into. Don't worry, church, if you don't feel up to it. None of us are up to it. As the examples I've shown you, these men, Moses, Samuel, Isaiah, when God called them, they weren't the finished article, but God made them the finished article. And their testimonies, their life that they lived through that calling, that's what God was glorified through. So if God is calling you, hear his heart, hear his voice. He only has good for you. There may be challenges along the way, but as we've heard through the songs today, God is with us and he will never leave us. Be encouraged, church. He will strengthen you through everything he's calling you into. Just step forward. Trust him and the Lord will take it through. So, glorious Father, we submit it all into your hands and pray for your grace upon all, both here, online, and across Harlow. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen.